Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today, we are continuing our discussion with section chairs, and we are absolutely delighted to be joined by Mark Krieger. I've actually known Mark for over 20 years. He was a a resident at USC several years ahead of me, so I've had the opportunity to work with him over the years, and Mark is now the chair of the PEDS section. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Mike and JP. It's it's really great to be on. You guys are doing a wonderful job with this podcast. It's very informative. Thanks. Well, why don't we start by having you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about who you are, how you came to neurosurgery, and particularly PEDS neurosurgery. Great. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so I'm Mark Krieger. I'm a pediatric neurosurgeon in Los Angeles. Uh, fairly busy clinical practice. My interest has always been in brain tumors. So I do everything in pediatric neurosurgery, but a special focus and interest in uh, operating on children who have brain and spinal cord tumors. Um, I grew up in New York. As Mike mentioned, I came out here and did the USC residency. Uh, I think even before I came out here, though, for residency, uh, I had an interest in uh, neurosurgery and particularly pediatric neurosurgery. I was a philosophy major for part of my time in college, and so I was very interested in the developing brain and how we sort of come to be who we are. And that interest was really strengthened in medical school. Uh, I was at Columbia, and they had obviously a great uh, neurosurgery department, and Peter Carmel was a mentor of mine. And then I wound up coming out to USC, where I met Mike Wang. We had a, a great time there together and learned a lot. Um, and I think during my time there, I, I really strengthened and solidified my interest in pediatric neurosurgery. I got to work with great mentors like Gordon McComb, Corey Raffle, and Mike Levy. Uh, we had a really great service at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. And even though I really loved doing everything that I could do in neurosurgery, uh, I always had a focus on pediatric neurosurgery. And when Dr. McComb offered me a fellowship position in my third year, I had to think about it a little bit, but then I decided to, uh, to take it and move on with that. Um, in my career, as it's evolved, uh, I've been busy clinically, uh, but I've had a bunch of leadership opportunities as well. And so uh, eight years ago, I became uh, the division chief of neurosurgery at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. And then two years ago, I became chair of the Department of Surgery at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. So, Mark, you know, pediatric neurosurgery is is such a compelling field, and I'm always reminded by young folks in high school or college about, you know, the influence, say, Ben Carson has had, right? Ben Carson, you know, describing how he separated Siamese twins that were joined at the head. And for the lay person, uh, operating on a child's brain or nervous system is, is especially compelling. Can you tell us a little about what that's like as a peds neurosurgeon? Uh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there are many different ways of taking it. If my wife was here, uh, she would say that I operate on the baby's brains because they won't let me operate on the big brains. But we all know that, uh, that pediatric neurosurgery is a totally different specialty uh, than the rest of neurosurgery for a bunch of reasons. Um, one is that the children's brains, and, and especially as they're young, are very plastic. And so you're operating on something that has a huge capacity to develop and change over time. 
And I think the field is really evolving in a way that we're taking advantage of that, that we're learning how to modulate brains as things go on. And, and this whole field of functional neurosurgery and pediatric neurosurgery is absolutely just exploding. Um, in terms of the surgery, uh, you know, there are different sets of diseases that we deal with. The brain tumors that kids get are different by and large than the brain tumors that adults get. And, you know, the molecular genetics of these things has been very exciting. We're really learning how to treat it uh, through those processes. So I think that that, you know, plays a large role. Um, you know, a little bit of a decision-making point is dealing with children and, and their families. And to some people, that's fantastic. And it's one of the highlights of my career and my life. Uh, but other people have a harder time with that from a neurosurgical perspective. And uh, I'm also fortunate to work at a great children's hospital where uh, we really have a great team-based approach and people are very motivated and, and want to be there. And that is a big uh, plus for me too in the field. You know, hearing you describe your background and, and how you got where you are today professionally, um, I have two very interesting reactions, one of which is I'm just going to pin you down now that we'll have you back for an episode on philosophy, and I would love to pick your brain about what it was like to study philosophy and then wind up operating on the brain that generates it. Um, but more interesting to me is that you described this innate interest in the developing brain and that you kind of came to the field already with a leaning toward pediatrics. In your current professional role, and certainly uh, as the head of the pediatric section, you must interact with pediatric neurosurgeons around the country, around the world. You've met hundreds of, of these people and personalities. Do you think that's the norm in the field, that people come with the interest in treating pediatric patients? Or do you think they come to neurosurgery and then find that subdiscipline along the road? You know, it's a great question. Um, and, and I think, you know, we're such a heterogeneous group, it's hard to come up with a one-size-fits-all answer. Um, but, you know, my brain usually works in dichotomies. <laughs> and I do think that the point you're making is a good one. I think some people uh, become pediatric neurosurgeons because they love helping children and they love helping families get through these critical time periods. And they find that uh, having children as patients is life-affirming. And, and it's so exciting to them to do that. I think that other people come into pediatric neurosurgery uh, because they appreciate the disease processes, how it's different than it is in, uh, in adults. Um, you know, I've talked to people who are brain tumor surgeons and children, and they say, look, I love treating uh, brain tumors. I love the fact that we can cure some of them with surgery and some of them with medications. I love the genetic advances, but I just don't want to deal with glioblastoma in my life ever. Uh, I'd rather deal with things that I could, you know, some things like pilocytic astrocytomas that I could cure with surgery and things, some things like medulloblastomas where understanding the genetics of it can make all the difference in the world. So along those lines, thinking about um, training in peds, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that pediatric neurosurgery is the only subspecialty that is a required rotation at every program or like almost like a separate rotation. Is that correct, Mark? I believe that's true. Yeah, but and so that's interesting because you really have residents that are 100% dedicated for a period of their training with you, but on the other hand, they're usually relatively junior, right? So usually they're not PGY 6 or 7, they're something like a 3 or a 4, right? And how does that play into folks that are interested in peds? Like it, it's it's so interesting to me because for spine, for example, people seem to be doing spine surgery through their residency all through the seven years. But for peds, it's a very defined and, uh, period of time. It's required and it's separate usually even ge geographically and it's early on. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I just don't have enough a sense of the lay of the land about what the average residency program is like these days. But I think there's been an understanding that uh, pediatric neurosurgical care is better when it's delivered in a, in a focused and specific time and a specific rotation and a specific institution that has expertise in it. And I think that that accounts for uh, some of this separateness of the rotation. Um, you know, we hope in the strong pediatric neurosurgery junior rotations that people get enough of a feel of the field that they can do two things. One is they can understand the pediatric component of their general practice if they don't become pediatric neurosurgeons. Uh, but two is that they're able to plunge themselves into the world of pediatric neurosurgery enough that they can determine uh, how they feel about it and whether it's the right field for them. But we do feel that uh, that to really train in pediatric neurosurgery, you get a concentrated experience where you get enough experience to be able to become a pediatric neurosurgeon, requires a focused rotation in fellowship, which is post-residency. And what do you think are some of the key factors that uh, folks need to learn? I mean, I, I'm speaking as a junior resident who in the coming year as a PGY3 will be doing my pediatric rotation. What do you think are some of the key things that folks in my position should focus on, um, not only dealing with the patients themselves at various ages, but as you touched on before, dealing with the parents and the family members? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, I would focus on a couple of things, right? Um, pediatric neurosurgeons deal with hydrocephalus in a way that other neurosurgeons don't. There are plenty of adult neurosurgeons who specialize in adult uh, hydrocephalus patients and uh, NPH, but pediatric neurosurgeons focus on a whole bunch of conditions that persist throughout life. And I think that that training in the care of the infant child and then the transitional care for an adult with hydrocephalus is something that everyone should pull out of their pediatric neurosurgery rotation. I think that the uh, intensive care and the treatment of infants and children with all sorts of problems, including trauma, but also tumors and curing malformations and that sort of thing is an experience that's different than the adult experience. And you should really learn how to titrate care to children during that rotation. Um, and then I think, you know, our residents come through and they talk about how it's a, just a different experience with a little bit more family-based care and the importance of that and involving the whole family and involving the whole team in the care of the child. One of the residents just said to me the other day that, you know, throughout this whole pandemic, they haven't seen families at bedside in a year and how uh, that has such a big impact on their training. But when children, you know, when you're taking care of children, you always have to be focused on the whole family's experience. I mean, many of these things are devastating experiences for the family. And sometimes the best we could do is help them get through it. So, Mark, you know, when I think about what you guys do in peds neurosurgery, I think about the the amplification of the impact of whatever you do. In other words, um, you know, the positive and the negatives. You help, uh, you cure a, a child with a brain tumor or, or you help them have fewer seizures from epilepsy and the, the translation over the next 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years is absolutely enormous. And similarly, if someone uh, develops a deficit in the operating room, similar kind of a, a, you know, a negative, right? And I think often about the, you know, neurosurgery is a fairly... Um, high risk and high litigation field. And I think about those cases where, where children, for example, have uh, their families or they have sued neurosurgeons and how horrible that is. How, how do you guys deal with that? To me, you know, my average patient is in their early 70s, right? So if you think about the economic, social, uh, or healthcare loss in any one case, uh, it's, it's much smaller 
And, and I would say the benefit is too, right? So how do you deal with that? I mean, the emotional aspect must be absolutely, uh, must be an enormous weight on your shoulders. Yeah, I appreciate you acknowledging that, Mike. You know, my feeling when I talk to our residents about is we have uh, far more triumphs than we have uh, the situation that you're dealing with. You know, if you look at our success in dealing with brain tumors, it's incredible. You know, over 90% of children with pilocytic astrocytomas survive uh, with a normal life. And if you look at medulloblastomas as a group, we had a 50% fatality just 20 years ago. And now the rates are much higher where some types of medulloblastoma are completely curable. So, you know, I think that I tell the teams, you know, you really have to focus on the, the triumphs and successes and the positive benefits we have. Although, of course, as neurosurgeons, we all remember, you know, the small percentage of cases that have bad outcomes. And those are the ones that haunt us throughout our lives. Um, I think, you know, concomitantly, kids have a remarkable ability to uh, be positive throughout diseases, which helps pull me through. Their strength and their character uh, means all the world to me. And then their brains have a surprising degree of plasticity. So, you know, as a small example, you know, we know that we could do a functional hemispherectomy in a child under three and have them have almost a normal life after that, whereas you certainly couldn't do that in an adult. So it's this recovery potential that's great. Our Neurological Institute has a slogan, you know, to help all children achieve their full neurologic potential. And I think if you realize the diseases that you're dealing with and you realize the impact that you're having on making their lives better, I think, you know, by focusing on the positive, it makes a big difference. So springboarding off of that, um, maybe if we could switch back and put on our administrative and organizational hats. Um, I always like to think from the position of trainees as one myself, um, thinking about uh, folks all the way from medical school up into residency, who, as we talked about, already have an interest in treating the pediatric population and those who already want to do pediatric neurosurgery or come in with an interest. Um, As we know, pediatric neurosurgery is one of the subspecialties that absolutely requires fellowship training. And unlike some other fields within neurosurgery, there's uh, not really a role for infolded fellowship. So for those trainees who have the interest and have a strong desire to enter the field, what role is there for medical students or residents to get involved early with the section of pediatric neurosurgery? I'm really glad you asked that, Mike. Uh, During my two years of tenure as the uh, chair of the section, we really made an effort to engage what we call early learners. So we made an effort to engage uh, medical students, residents, and fellows throughout the section. And this was really reflected in our last meeting. We had a pivot to a virtual format for our December annual meeting for the section. And we really put an emphasis on the early people. We had a full fellow section. We've encouraged students to submit papers. Uh, We've given out awards for fellows. We've given out research awards. It's really been a focus of ours. Um, And to do that, we're setting up mentorship uh, committees to move forward on this. Uh, So Benny, Eskander, who is following me as the chair, is very much focused on this to keep doing this. We want to really create a community of pediatric neurosurgeons that encourages these uh, early learners. And so far, the, uh, the results have been great. We had over 460 people register for our annual meeting this year, and about half of them were students, residents, and fellows, which was really phenomenal for us. So along those lines, Mark, let's get excited about the field itself. And let me ask you, because I've been out of it for so long now, what are the really exciting areas where peds neurosurgery is changing and developing and refining? What what are the new techniques you're using? What are the new diseases you're tackling? 
Yeah, it's an exciting area. Um, I really think that the whole area of functional neurosurgery is super important. Um, and, you know, again, as we were talking about earlier, I think this whole concept of the developing brain, which is modifiable and you can modulate it as it develops, is really, really great. So this really got advanced through the epilepsy uh, work that we do, right, where we see that if we could actually stop children from having seizures through surgery, that their whole life course uh, changes. Now it's moved on into movement disorders, where we see that we can even do deep brain stimulation to affect movement disorders. And the excitement of all this is that whereas the adult brain, you're trying to change circuitry in a static nature, in a pediatric brain, you're changing it in a developing nature. So the brain actually modulates and modifies around these interventions. Um, you know, another example of that is hemispherectomies. You actually can see reorganization of the brain circuitry once you perform a hemispherectomy where the rest of the brain actually takes over the other functions. So I think that this whole marriage of functional neurosurgery and pediatric neurosurgery is really exciting and will continue to grow and develop over time. You know, throughout this conversation, um, as we talk with you about your perspective on the field, your, your perspective on your own career, I hear you keep, you keep coming back to the concept of development. And, and as you told us, that was one of your early interests, even before entering medicine. I wonder if, um, for our listeners and, and honestly for myself, if you could recommend any, any works, be it a paper, be it a book, um, anything not particularly neurosurgical, but psychological or philosophical that has really affected your thinking or uh, piqued your interest in regards to the mind and the developing mind um, throughout your career, be it in your philosophy major days or, or even now uh, in your current job? That's a great question um, because I don't have an easy answer for that. You know, I think that there are a lot of these scientific papers that look at circuitry uh, and how it develops, right? But a lot of them haven't married the clinical work yet with the scientific work yet. And so I think that that makes it super difficult right now at this point in time. And we'll write the papers ourselves. <laughs> you know, and this is, this is definitely a, a young learner's field. I mean, basically, you know, we have tons of people who are uh, going into the field right now and uh, they are, they're the ones who advance it. And, you know, then there are people who are totally on the fringe who are putting forth new techniques. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at, uh, the deep brain stimulation for DYT1 dystonia, that's been an incredibly exciting area. I mean, you have these uh, children who have no functional quality of their lives. They're all, you know, twisted and wrapped up with no motor control. And it winds up becoming a fatal disease because of the curvature of the spine and the inability to breathe and everything. And when you put deep brain stimulation uh, devices into these people, you could actually give them a normal life. And we have videos of these kids walking uh, after an extensive period of rehab where they recover from this. It's just, it's just absolutely incredible. Well, Mark, I want you to help us wrap this session up by answering a question we're asking of all the nine uh, section chairs. And that is, if you were to address a uh, neurosurgeon in training, make the pitch for why pediatric neurosurgery is the field to go into. So I'm incredibly happy with my career in pediatric neurosurgery. I, I couldn't really imagine doing anything else at this point in time. Um, and for me, and it may be personal, there are a bunch of factors into it. One is I love working with children. I love helping a child whose whole life is in front of them get better and overcome a disease, whether it's through direct intervention or support or working with the family support. To me, that's the biggest thing. The, this slogan that we have to help each child achieve their full neurological potential 
is really a motivating factor for me, and I think that that's great. Uh, two is I think all these developments that we're having in the field in functional neurosurgery and tumor neurosurgery uh, and in the imaging, I mean, we could really know things about tumors and know how to treat them so much better than we did in the past. You know, we know when we need to use a sledgehammer and do an aggressive surgery, but we also know when, based on genetics, we could come up with other therapies for it that will be equally as efficacious. Uh, and the functional neurosurgery thing is expanding. I mean, I, I just wish I was at, at a younger uh, a younger man at this point in time to really plunge into it. But this concept that you could take a brain that's developing and totally change its trajectory through modification and modulation is incredibly exciting to me. And I think we'll expand into looking at other things. Like through the imaging, we'll understand what uh, learning disorders are and how they're different in different people and maybe even find therapeutics for all of that. The last thing that I would say is the community that you become a part of when you're a pediatric neurosurgeon. You get to work with other people uh, and the teams and the pediatricians and the neurologists and the neuroradiologists and the social workers and all of that who are solely dedicated to the care of children in an institution that's dedicated to the care of children. And you become a part of this pediatric neurosurgery community. I mean, some of the best mentors and the best friends I have in life are pediatric neurosurgeons, and they've made all the difference in the world to me. But they also are very welcoming. We take people into this field. And as we expand, and the field is no doubt expanding, it becomes all the more strong. Well, I think the passion that you have for your patients, uh, for the field, and for the organization that you head is clear to everyone listening here and at home. Um, so we want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show and, and share that passion with us. Um, you know, what, what a phenomenal conversation. Uh, full of insights on the pediatric neurosurgical section and also the field as a whole from your perspective. Uh, so thank you, Dr. Krieger, for coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast today. Yeah, it was a pleasure being able to speak with you both. Thank you very much. And thanks for your service.